Anyway, come on, Don. I think I said. You guys, uh, welcome, Don. <laughs> I think I said, you'll have a prison ministry. It'll be great. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't going to hit her that hard, but anyway. Those of you that don't know, uh, if you weren't here that Sunday, Don is our newest elder, too, on our elder I'm team. the older so. elder. Well, not really. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Good to be here. Obviously, I'm not Pastor Steve, so uh, you're not getting a professional speaker. Uh, but uh, I am gifted, as you are gifted, and I believe that my gifting is in the area of bringing understanding. And so uh, I'm going to try to refrain from doing a lot of jokes this morning. Usually I'm kind of the jokester. And I, was, I did have one when we were talking about years of marriage, and uh, Donna and I, we've been married 42 years. That's pretty good. I say somewhere between 5 and 10 years of marital bliss. I'm not sure. Just being real. Okay, that's the last joke. So uh, so this morning, I want to talk about, and I'm just going to call this an introduction to the glory of God. Because as I began to look at this, I soon realized that trying to describe or understand or explain the glory of God is like trying to describe the universe. It's just far too big and awesome for one moment, for a few minutes up here to try to describe. So I'm going to try to bring an introduction to it. And I'm doing this not because I want to do it and share it as a doctrine. I'm sharing this because I really believe God spoke in my heart that this is somewhere we're going. Yeah. That he's built a foundation and I've watched the pieces come together. We've talked about, you know, the centrality of Jesus, our identity in him. And then we've kind of moved into some, maybe a little more, a little more difficult place to walk, which is in the kingdom of God. And the reason that that's difficult is because the kingdom of God often requires a level of suffering. It it requires a full commitment on our part to forget who we were, to quit bringing our stuff to the game and play with God's ability and God's rules. And so this is another message like that. So this is a message that will be quite weighty, which is kind of an interpretive word for the word glory, God's weight. Uh, but I want us to, to look through this, and I'll try to make it quick. I can go on and on, but I won't. And I have people out here who are looking at me, and they're going to give me signals if I get long-winded. So you're in a safe place this morning. Now, the biggest fear I had about coming up here has already started which is the technology. Oh, they're back there doing it for me. Thank you. So we're going to look, first of all, at 1 Thessalonians 5.23. And the reason I want to take you through this is because this is the foundation that really caught my eye and brought me to a place where I began to look at the glory of God. I've been a Christian for a lot of years. And I've said glory many times. And I've talked about the glory of God. And we want to, you know, do whatever brings glory to God. But I've never really seen it like I see it is clear today. And so I'm hoping to bring that clarity here today. Actually, I'm praying that the Spirit of God brings that clarity to you. Uh, A lot of people who know me think I'm very heady, but I'm really not. It's like uh, I've forgotten probably more than I remember in my head, but I know that God protects what he's put in my heart. And so he'll do the same for you. I want to speak from my heart to you, and I want you to hear with your heart what God is saying to you about his glory, what it means to him. See, we have this problem that we live in this little sphere called our world. 
And that's all we see most of the time is our little world. It's either in crisis or it's great, usually up and down, back and forth, and you know. But I think God would really love it if we'd start looking into His world. And because what happens when we do that is that it's really the place where we begin to see things from His perspective, and that will change our perspective. It's one of the real values of praise and worship. That when we praise, have you ever noticed that you can have issues in your life and you come and you just lay it down and you begin to praise and worship God? And even people who, I've, I've known people that weren't Christians that went to a Christian worship event and just walked away saying, man, I just feel well. I just feel good just being here. Now, why is that? Because the glory of God affects our perspective. And so we need it. Amen. So in First Thessalonians 5.23, it says, Now may the God of peace, and notice it says himself, sanctify you completely. So God himself, that's not you, sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And verse 24 is just as awesome. He who calls you, that's God, you were you, is faithful. He will do it. Okay, that's, that's awesome right there. Because I thought most of the time it was like, what am I going to do for God? How am I going to make God happy with my life? How am I going to glorify God in the things that I do? But he just reversed the script on us and said, hey, guess what? I'll sanctify you. I'll be the one who does it. So the word sanctify, and I want to give you some key words in here to help you. The word sanctify is the Greek word hagiazo, and it comes from the word hagios, which is the word for holy. Hagiazo is a verb, which means to make holy. So God is making us holy as he sanctifies us. We're not doing the sanctifying. He's doing it. Yeah, amen, right? So the word sanctify means to set apart or to set aside to God for a special purpose. The removing of our lives from one place or function into another to be used by God for his purpose. That's what water baptism is. That's what we're supposed to capture when we go in the water. That we lay down our old life. And this is maybe where this hard word comes. How often do we lay it down? Pick it up. Struggle, fight, whatever. Get defeated. We lay it down. We pick it up. I think wisdom says, let's just lay it down and leave it. And let's just take his life. Let's just take it on and just let's see what happens. Because guess what? He's the one doing the work. I love the verse that says, for it is God who works in you. Both to will, which means what? To place a desire in you. So often people will say, like we talk about sin. Hey, just give me the list of of do nots. Just give me the list of do nots. I'll try to do my best at doing the let's do's. But guess what? You have from God an intuitive knowledge of the do nots. You have from God an intuitive, that means inside of you, a knowledge. There's understanding within you that spontaneously, effortlessly wants to give you the ability to live out what God desires you to live out. That's what that scripture is saying. It's God who's working in you, both to will, give you desire, 
And here's the best part, and to do. So if he puts something in your heart, he also supplies the ability for you to walk that out. Will you believe him? So we're going to talk about this sanctifying of spirit, soul, and body. So you know that the spirit, your human spirit, was dead. And when you believed on Jesus, anybody know what happened? You came alive. How did you come alive? He took his life and put it into your spirit. He regenerated you, which means he made you brand new. It's important that you understand. He didn't just make you alive like you were before in the garden. This is better. He didn't. He, a lot of times people think, well, he's just trying to get us back into the garden. Uh, excuse me, something happened in the garden we don't want happening. Is that not true? I mean, it started out great, but it didn't end well. And we're the proof of it. Look at all the troubles. Look at the world. Look at the problems that came out of what happened in the garden. So God had a greater plan. He said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the one son that pleases me perfectly. And I'm going to take him and I'm going to place him in my creature. Adam did not have that. But we do. And so now we can rely upon that. At, at, at regeneration, our spirit was sanctified. That means within you, your spirit has been set apart for God. It's set aside for God for his special purpose. So any of you that thinks you don't have purpose, that's a lie from the devil. You have so much purpose and so much potential because you've been regenerated on the inside. You are sanctified internally. The next part of us that is sanctified is the soul. The soul is the mind, will, and intellect. It's the place where we think and believe. It's the place where we have our experiences. Our, it's how we know who we are. He is in the process of sanctifying us in that realm. He does that by what? Amen. By the renewing of our mind. That's the way the Apostle Paul described it, that we would know. And so the soul is being sanctifi- sanctified Moment by moment. That's what we're in right now. Our, our process we're in is the sanctification of the soul. And that process is challenging at times. Because everything in our body, in our outer man, in our memories, and I, don't want, I could really go off on a rabbit trail. So remember what I told you. Give me this. Those, those that I told. And you let me know if I'm rabbit trailing. But it's important to know, I said I wouldn't joke, but I did anyway. I am. Forgive me, God. So in the area of the soul, we're being renewed day by day, moment by moment. And here's the good news. Remember who's doing the sanctifying? Hey, hey, hey. So that means all we have to do is let him apply that to us. And he does the work. The final part, and this is really the part of sanctification that really grabbed my attention and started me down this trail of glory. You know that this body has been born into a realm that's terminal. All of us have a terminal life. It's temporal. It's temporary. Isn't it it interesting how easy it is to put all of our effort and all of our desires into somehow making this temporary life important? Sometimes that's a hard word too, isn't it? 
Because it's challenging for us to see what's hidden, what's behind. It's challenging for us to see what we call spirit. I like to call it the fourth dimension. That spiritual reality is more real than this one we're sitting in. If you were to ask God, he'd tell you that's true. Because that's where he's dwelling. And so that's why the Apostle Paul said, set your mind on things above. Don't set your mind on temporary terminal things. We agree. We live in a temporal situation and we do want to, uh, what's the word, steward this life. No doubt about it. We want to steward our body. But did you know that from the spiritual realm, healing and wholeness belongs to us? All our goal, all we have to do is what we would call fitness. We just want to take care of this body. But God provides the healing through covenant. But this body has to be replaced. And so this body is going to have to be what the Bible calls glorified. Could you uh, go to First uh, Corinthians chapter, or yeah, First Corinthians fifteen? Thank you. So all flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of animals, another of fish, another of birds. There are also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies, but the glory—remember that's our topic—the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. Verse 42, so also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in what? Glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. Could you go to the next one? Uh, no, it's First Corinthians 15. Oh, I'm sorry, you already had it. Stay right there, just leave it there. The point that I want to make in this is that this temporal body is going to have a glory at some point that we haven't experienced yet. Now, to me, this is tremendous good news. Because I don't know about you, but the biggest struggle that seems to occur in my life comes through all the things that this body knows. This brain has taken in. It's the struggle. And what I saw, and I believe I saw this, by the Spirit, was that the glorified body is a body that's... Is that me or someone else? (laughs) The glorified body is a body that's fully equipped and capable of perfectly expressing what's already taken place in your spirit... And what's happening in your mind without distraction, without discomfort. That right there gives me hope. So I know that the resurrected body is going to be a body that's built for God's glory. And that's why I'm back on this word glory again. So the word glory is the Greek word doxa. Primarily signifies an opinion, an estimate, and hence the honor resulting from a good opinion. And hey, God does deserve all the glory. This is a key that I wanted you to hear because this really spoke to me some years back. It is used of the nature and acts of God in self-manifestation. That means that the glory of God is not something He's waiting for you and I to produce. 
It is God that is the producer of his glory. God is glorious and performs or performs gloriously because he's glorious. If there's one thing that we need in the church is to have a right view of who God is. It would help us in so many ways. Get past looking at ourselves, looking at our own lives. The glory of God means God is love. God is wonderment. God is beautiful. God is spectacular. God is awesome. You na- What's the word? Glory. That's the word. Glory. Did I leave anything? Oh, yes. God produces glory through by self-manifestation, i.e. What, is, what he essentially is and does as exhibited in whatever way he reveals himself in these respects. I know that's kind of wordy. It, may, it goes like this. God does whatever he does because he, whatever he wants to, he does. That's how I define the sovereignty of God. You know, I've been through a bunch of different definitions. To me, the sovereignty of God, he does what he wants to do. The good thing, you know what contains God? You say, God can do anything. Well, there's one thing God can't do. God can't lie. God, God is confined by his nature. Aren't you glad he's a good God? <laughs> Amen. And particularly, uh, the glory of God is in the person of Christ, in whom essentially his glory has ever shown forth and ever will. Now, this is important because how many of you have you heard that God shares his glory with no man? You know, humble yourself, man. You're a worm. God's glorious. He's not going to share his glory with any man. Well, that's true in the sense that he's not going to share his glory with Adam. With that man. But I got good news for you. I got really, really, really good news for you. God's not only shared his glory with us who are born again. You have to be born again. But once you're regenerated, he doesn't just share his glory. He gives it to us. He provides it freely. Grace contains the glory of God. Faith receives it. But the glory of God is the self-manifestation. So he empowers what he does in us. What has he done? He's placed this treasure in earthen vessels. It's complicated because we see the earthen vessel. And we often don't see the glory. But it's the glory that the Father's looking at. What if once in a while, instead of looking at ourselves, we said... Hey, Dad, what you up to? And what if we found out he's up to something we haven't even comprehended that's so wonderful, that's so amazing, which is he has a creation that he's placed within it, the son of his glory, so that he could give those creatures that glory, so that that glory could be expressed to the world. And even beyond that, the Bible says the angelic hosts look upon us to see and understand the wisdom and the, the depth of God. They're looking at us. Me? 
Dumbheaded me? Yeah, dumbheaded me. Because God's not looking for my dumb head to get undumb. He's placed His glory in me. One of the things that's an attribute of God's glory is that often God's glory is manifest without words. If you go and you look to the Old Testament, you see a natural people experiencing the glory of God. What would happen? A cloud would come in. Something demonstrable, something they could see. We even know what Stephen, when he was being stoned, looked up and said, what did he say? I see the glory of God. That really made him mad. But it was something that came without words, but it had effect. The glory of God is effectual. It says when the glory of God went into the temple, the priests could not stand for it. It overwhelmed them. What was it? It's the presence of God. So right now I want to do a Steve. I'm sorry. That was a joke, wasn't it? Sorry. It's hard to to stop old things. My wife said, don't do it. You're too old for that. It's going to hurt yourself. And it's true. You know, the older you get, the more you realize the temporalness of this thing. Some some days, I don't know, Ron, you're a little older like me. You ever look in the mirror and go, how did you get here? (laughs) Who is that guy? (laughs) And see, the older you get, the more memory you you, you forget things. And so you're like, I I thought last week I looked about 40. This week, scary. But you know what's good about it? You do start thinking, you know, there's more important things to think about than that. How about a glorified body fit for the king's possession, fit to express the glory of God? I'm looking forward to it. I have hope in that. All right. The Bible says that the heavens declare the glory of God. Well, how do the heavens declare something? They just express it. I've always asked people, people say that. I lived up by Mount Rainier, Don, and I lived up in Washington State. And you, you go and you look at uh, Mount Rainier. And people will say, it is so beautiful. You say, well, who told you it was beautiful? It's intuitive. The creation, those things declare the glory of God. When you look at the stars and you look at the universe, now I went too far. I took astronomy in college and it blew my mind. It got to me thinking there's no way anything could make all this. It's so vast, so distant, so big, so large. And yet, you know what? Our Father holds it in His hand. What are you worried about? Just hope he doesn't go. <laughs> he won't. He's faithful. He is faithful. I know that's good, isn't it? I'm trying to not uh, overdo my time here. I told you I could get on with it. So let me show you three aspects of the Godhead. Can we go to the next slide? So here's a few scriptures that just talk about who God is in regard to his glory. So first of all, in Ephesians 1.17, it says that the God 
of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here it is, the Father of glory. So what is Father? We've talked about its source. He's the provider. So He is the Father, the source, the provider of glory. Next slide. Jesus is the Lord of glory. 1 Corinthians 2.8 says, Which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Now this gets a little difficult to comprehend. It's something that uh, it came to my spirit and I began to think about it. And But there's, there's some real powerful truth in this. The word Lord means master. And if so if he's the Lord of glory, he rules by his glory. And we're going to see later on in the verse that shows the effect of his glory. Him being the Lord of glory means that he's the master of it. He's the one that utilizes it in the way that he desires. We don't have the capacity to, on our own, apart from God, glorify God, nor to be a possessor or an expressor of the glory of God. So this puts us in a significant place. Here's the hard word. He needs to be sovereign. Recently, and this is a little funny, but you know how in, uh, uh, in some, uh, some schools they teach you homiletics, which is the ability to, to preach, which obviously I don't have. But obviously, so obviously, so what they did is, <laughs> I always said stop. I thought you said obviously. <laughs> Thanks, brother. I got one fan. All right. So in homiletics, you know, have you ever been to those churches where everything starts with one letter? You know, it's got to be the same letter. For some reason, in some of the circles, it always starts with a P. I don't know why, but this one starts with an S. We love the gospel of salvation. The gospel of salvation says, get me to heaven, God. <laughs> Save me. It's not wrong. We need to be saved if we're not. Uh, the next one is, we like this one, the gospel of supply. For my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. We love that supply. We like to have God on the side like a butler. Get me my drink, God. Get me a car, God. Get me an airplane, God. Get me a country, God. You know, whatever your kingdom is. But you remember what the biggest enemy of the kingdom of God is? Ours. We need to lay that aside. And that's where we get into the gospel of sovereignty. That's the one we, we, we mess, you know, we kind of struggle with. You know, we get up deciding what we're doing every day without a thought whether what God would want us to be about. Or we get up in our habits and our routines. Mine being a, a jokester when I probably shouldn't be, according to her. She left already. <laughs> That's good. Okay, I'll give her... Sorry. I'll, I'll give her this. She's heard this all week. I think I messed my thing up. I'll fix it. All right, so the, so we have the, sound like I went off. Did I do that? Okay, sorry. See, it's the technology scares me. 
So we have the gospel of sovereignty. Here's the final one. And I'm just, I'm just calling them gospels. It sounds good. It sounds homiletic. The gospel of suffering. Oh, sign me up for that. But, you know, we're going to suffer in order to, in order to experience the sovereignty of God. We're going to suffer to experience the kingdom of God. And we're going to suffer to experience the glory of God. Now, the suffering doesn't mean that we suffer for our stupidity. It means we suffer for Christ's sake. Which leads me to the next part, which is the Holy Spirit's part. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of glory. 1 Peter 4.14, you got it. Man, they're quick back there. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. How many feel like that? Of course, maybe we don't know what reproached means. To be reproached means to be you're disagreed with. <laughs> they don't agree with what you're saying. Get, get thee behind me, Christian. You know, that one. It says that uh, when you're reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. That is such a great promise that when we're living the life he's given us, when we face reproach, which is a level of suffering, Jesus showed us what it was. He came to his own, but his own rejected him. How many of you have been rejected by your own? That's suffering. That hurts. But here's your promise. The spirit of glory rests upon you. The presence of God rests upon you in the midst of your suffering. We don't have to go looking for suffering. That's false humility. That's, that's a false idea that you go out and make yourself suffer for this. You're going to face this suffering. You're going to be reproached if you really live out the truth about who God says that you are. And I've found that probably the most painful is the people closest to you. It hurts the most. And guess what? Jesus loves everybody like you love your kids. So he's experienced suffering. But we need to know the spirit of glory rests upon us. The spirit of uh, glory brings the manifestation of the glory of God to his creation, and he does it by his presence. How many of you, I'm going to be the first one, really love God's presence? <laughs> Me too. I've noticed, I picked up some things in this over the years. When I'm worshipful and I'm sitting, and I'm not, I know he's always present. I get that. But you know what I'm talking about? Presence when all of a sudden he manifests something that's not just normal. And all of a sudden you're like, woo. You might say, come on, Holy Ghost, like somebody. So I've been around people that are like, oh, you shouldn't be chasing the presence of God. You should be into the word of God. And you just stick with the word of God so you don't go airing off into some weird experience. Yeah, any of you heard that? or th Maybe you thought it. I don't know. What I want you to understand by this word of God is that the presence of God brings effect. 
We don't back away from the Word of God. I love the Word of God. I mean, I love it. It is food to my soul. When I'm struggling or I'm feeling disconnected, I get the red flags. You know what the red flags are for me? Hey, I need a new boat. I need a new motorcycle. Hey, I need a new fishing pole. Hey, I need a gun. What is it? Trying to find something out there to fulfill. And I realize, man, I'm, I'm, I'm distant. So I need to draw back closer to God. I need his presence. When I've experienced those times when the manifest presence is upon me, you know what I've never thought? Hey, I'm going to go murder somebody. <laughs> hey, I'm going to go steal that guy's stuff. No, you know what I usually feel? God, you're so good. You're so loving. You know, the first time that happened to me, I better check my times. First time that happened to me, I had seen people experience the presence of God to where the weight of that presence caused them to go. And at first I'm like, I'm in my natural mind. I'm like, what is this stuff? What is this? And this is, this is Christian. So I finally got the nerve up. I'm like, I'm going to go have this guy pray for me. And if he tries to push me down, you ever, any of you guys ever thought this? I'm pushing back. <laughs> He's not going to do it. Mm-mm. I will expose him for the liar that he is. So I marched myself up there. This was many years ago, as a matter of fact, but he didn't, he didn't touch me. He did not touch me. Bam, I'm on the floor. I'm like this. What is this? It feels like liquid love. Huge smile. God is my witness. Two days. Huge smile. Couldn't knock it off my face. I go to work. Hey, here they've, uh, you know, so-and-so died. Yeah. It will change your perspective. And this is the glory of God. So let me end with this verse. 2 Corinthians 3.18. But we all, and if you get a chance, read that like from verse 7 on down when you get get some time. It's great because it parallels the difference between a fading glory and the glory that is within us. But we all, that's everyone, with unveiled face, and he's re- referencing the fact that Moses' face was veiled, and he had, a, he had a glory that went away, it faded. Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. And in that we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. Amen. Just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Yeah, you grab it. Transformation is an important word. You like it when preachers do a good job of preaching, and I know why. 
because I do too, we get inspired. But inspiration is not transformation. Inspiration is valuable because it may cause you to look a little deeper. And as you look deeper, when the Holy Spirit reveals what's said to you, you may get a revelation. What does that mean? Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, uh, neither has it entered into the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for him or them. But what has he done? He's revealed it to them by his Spirit. The Spirit of God brings the revelation. See, there are unsearchable truths in God, but they're not unknowable. Some people read the unsearchable and stop. Well, I can't know that. No, it just means you need help. It's all knowable. He didn't write anything in the book that he didn't want us to know about. He's not like he's not goofy like that. He put everything in the book that he wants us to know. But he requires us or he 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 puts it upon us to have a heart to seek it out. It's interesting there's a scripture in the Psalms that says For it is God's, I'm trying to get it right. I might not get this perfect. It's something along this line. For it is, it is the honor of God to hide, to put things in a hidden place. It's the honor of kings to search them out. Often we wonder, why doesn't God just, come on, just tell us. Because it's the demand he's putting on our heart. Remember that God is looking at our hearts. He's looking at that part inside of us. And he's saying, if that part is right, if that part is seeking me, I'll turn the light on. See, if you will seek me with all your heart, I will show you things. And I want to say it's true. Some of the stuff he shows me is so fantastic. I'm ready. I know that sounds... Sounds boastful, doesn't it? I'm telling you, I'm ready. This world doesn't have anything for me except us, except for his body. Because that's another thing I want to say about the glory. He brings his glory. He brings his presence to his church. We often wonder, why is it? Oh, I'll say it this way. You may not. Why do you have this thing called church where we're all supposed to get together and assemble ourselves? Because it's the place that he wants to put his glory and express his glory, his multifaceted wisdom that comes to each part when they're brought together. That's why it doesn't seem like it's a kiss from heaven when we all get together and we have corporate worship and God shows up in ways that he doesn't just when we're sitting around watching as the world turns. (laughs) Or whatever it is. Do they still have that thing on? <laughs> I'm acting like I don't know. No, I don't know. <laughs> Christians, you know, Christian pastors will do that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so here's what, here's what I want to say. Here's what was in my heart. As I began to see the power and the effect of the glory of God, I realized that it's not our desire to experience the glory of God. It's God's desire for us to experience the glory of God. It's not something that we have to talk God into. 
It's something that we have to decide whether we're going to position ourselves to experience that, which is He's Lord. He's the all in all. I'm not. It's the dying to our flesh. For me, I see this is what I'm saying. You have an intuitive knowledge. I had it. I was doing some things in my life. You know, one was video games. I'm retired and I have a lot of free time. I started messing with video games. And it just and I'm not telling anyone to do this or not do this. I just know what he put in my heart. You need to quit listening to those video games because they have a lot of nasty language in them. A lot of them are violent, and it's just not good for your heart. And you know what's funny? I was like, no problem, God. (laughs) What do I do now? What do I do now? Because we get into habits. You know, we just blindlessly walk in and turn on that line box. That's another thing he dealt with me on. Stop listening to that. That's the world. Yeah, they're in a mess. We're not. I hope you can hear that. And if you focus on that, you're going to be, they're drawing you in. It's like a magnet. Hey, come on in and be miserable with the rest of us. How about no? I refuse. Why? Because God wants to put his glory. He's put his glory in us and he wants us to express it. He wants us to be an expression of himself. He's made us for that. We all have great purpose in that. And so I'm going to end here so that I don't bloviate. It's a big word, bloviate, on and on. I want you, uh, I want you to take to heart what I believe God wants to tell you is that you're made for more than you know. You're more valuable than you can comprehend to him. And he has such a desire for his body to be an expression of who he is. That's why he needs you to see your true identity. That's why we need to have the centrality of Jesus. That's why we need to abide in him. That's why we need to say no to our flesh. Because there's such glory awaiting us in the world. You know, it's interesting because the scripture says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Well, let's flip the switch. With faith, it's possible to please him. I want my father pleased with me. Do you? Then let's do that. Let's believe him. Let's believe him together. I think that's a word for us. And so if you want more glory, I'm going to say a prayer and then we'll do a song. I'm going to say a prayer and I'm going to invite... Holy Spirit His presence to just touch you today if you'll be receptive that He can take this word and make it real to you and we'll begin to live out and hey look I want you to tell me what glory means to you you come instruct me I'm still looking I think God's bigger than us and we have an eternity to discover the glory of God I like that because I'm easily bored. But as a matter of fact, quick story, when I was first born again, my mother said, ah, it's just another thing you're going through. Another phase. Give it a year or two, you'll be done with it. I was 26 at the time. (laughs) I'm now over 60. 63. 
So he has an unfading glory. We're going we're living from glory to glory. We're living from faith to faith. We're a privileged people. There's two kinds of people, the privileged and the, and, the, and the enslaved. The world is enslaved by sin. We are not. So, Father, I just thank you, God, for your word today. You're so good to us to reveal yourself to us and that it's your heart to reveal yourself, your glory in your church, in your body, on the planet. Holy Spirit, we invite your presence. We invite your presence. We love your presence. We know that your presence is effectual on, upon us. And that Jesus, you rule by your glory. Continue to reveal yourself to us, Lord. Reveal to us and teach us about your glory that this is where you are taking us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Has anybody ever had that feeling where the Lord is making himself known on you? And you're like, man, I didn't even see it coming, but he has made himself aware. But then there's those times where I feel like the Lord is really wanting us to come with a heart and a mind of invitation where he's wanting us to open up and invite him to come and invite him to join us. And that's what I really felt during a lot of this message today as well, is that we have to come and we have to put ourselves into that position where we're willing to invite him in. I love it when he will just drop bombs on me, but at the same time, I need to humble myself and invite him. So I hope that you'll join us in inviting him today. Has the spirit 